Welcome to Gondrepreneur, helping Gondrepreneurs grow and succeed in every sector of the cannabis industry. Gondrepreneur will introduce you to the cannabis pioneers who are paving the way for future generations. Learn about the shifting landscape of the market directly from the experts and get to know some of the leading minds in the industry as they tell their story of struggles and success. Now, CannabisRadio.com presents Gondrepreneur. Hi there, and welcome to the Gondrepreneur.com podcast. I'm your host, Shango Lose. The Gondrepreneur.com podcast gives us an opportunity to speak directly to entrepreneurs, cannabis growers, product developers, and cannabis medicine researchers, all focused on making the most of cannabis normalization. As your host, I do my best to bring you original cannabis industry ideas that will ignite your own entrepreneurial spark and give you actionable information to improve your business strategy and improve your health and the health of cannabis patients everywhere. Today, my guest is Tom Burns. Sent to Oregon State University to study metallurgical engineering, Tom Burns instead came out a yogi in the 1970s with a desire to turn his newfound natural lifestyle into a symbiotic business venture. He, along with his fellow yogis in Eugene, Oregon, started and built a cereal and tea business that grew up in the beginnings of the organic foods industry. As a founding partner and the former CEO, Tom led both companies to become leaders in this fast growth industry where Yogi Tea remains the number one tea brand. Tom Burns is now a member of the fledgling cannabis industry and is CEO of PDX Partners. I recently saw Tom's keynote address at the Cannabis Collaborative Conference in Portland and asked him to come on the show to share some of his insights. Thanks for being on the show, Tom. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Many of the insights that you shared in your keynote, Tom, were based on the similarities between the early organic food industry and the still very young cannabis industry. Where do you see the similarities? Well, I think at first, I mean, I believe when I went to college, it's the late 60s, and we're part of the counterculture revolution. So I had gone to college expecting, or at least my family expecting, I would come back and run their business which was a third generation business and instead I got into yoga and meditation and so I thought probably business was the most remote thing from what I was thinking about though by necessity being in a yoga situation and being in an ashram spiritual situation we needed a way to support ourselves so it led to the business side of it but at the same time I see looking back that there were the kind of inklings and the nascent growings of the cannabis industry, but of course at that time illegal and in many states still illegal. So I think they came out of the same time, but natural foods and organic foods was in the legal space and was subject to all of the normal forces of business that bring it along and evolve it over time. And it got bigger and bigger and more and more professional. I think the cannabis industry now is opening up to that in certain states and hopefully federally at some time in the not too distant future. And those forces of business that we learned essentially by hard knocks going through it in the natural foods through the last nearly 50 years, I see applying to the cannabis industry and something that will certainly help to actualize the potential of the cannabis industry, which is vast. 
so many commercial cannabis entrepreneurs are focused on their margins right now because it's so competitive and sometimes they miss the bigger picture. Right now, as the industry leaders, we are initiating you know, the arc that the cannabis industry will take for some time. And sometimes it feels like we're taking a low road. What are some perspectives that you think would be helpful for cannabis CEOs to consider as they're sculpting their businesses and how they do business? I think one of the things that I had mentioned in the keynote in the Cannabis Collaborative Conference a couple of weeks ago is this sense of the sustainable business model. And as you mentioned, people are focused on their margins, which I believe is a very good focus, but it's not the only focus. I mean, if you looked at the sustainable business model and what we would call the three legs of the stool, meaning the economic, the social, and the environmental. Obviously, the social and environmental are equally important, but without the economic, you're not really going to get to the social and environmental. So I would certainly support focusing on the margins, but at the same time, how are you doing business? And I also had mentioned, for me, a foundation of doing business really begins with feeling good feeling good about the business yourself and having all of your employees feel good about being part of that business. And from there, then I think you start to get the full capabilities of those that are working for you and your own full capabilities so that that economic part, that profit part is the be good part I talk about. You have feel good, then be good, then that profit comes out of there. And then ultimately, my way of looking at business, you get to the do-good part or the socially responsible part of business. I would think that some of the cannabis entrepreneurs who are listening to us are thinking, my God, I don't have time. I barely have time to get my coffee in the morning before I start my day, and he wants me to feel good. What is the case to be made that feeling good actually has a monetary value to it? How can we help encourage entrepreneurs who are pretty focused on the bottom line that it is worth their effort to try things to feel good so that they can do good? Well, I think a couple of things. First off, it's not going to happen overnight. And if you think about, well, we were trained in yoga and meditation. So they talk about the seven centers of energy and you start at the bottom and you move up through the top, through the crown chakra, the top of the head. And we looked at it in a, in a business way. To begin with, you are in survival mode. You know, you are concerned about how the heck am I going to pay my bills? But as the business evolves, it moves up to what we would say the heart center where you're more concerned or you become concerned about the welfare and the well-being of your employees, making sure that they're well taken care of. And then ultimately, as business grows and expands, it can be focused in what we see as the top ultimate focus of business, and that is in doing social good by doing things that benefit the whole community where the business are and society in general, focused on in some way making a social impact to make this world or planet where we live a better place to live. And I think, you know, that happens over time. But the sooner you can get to that and understand the direction of that, the sooner you can treat your employees and yourself in a sense of using the litmus test. If it feels good, you know, that helps to get the kind of results out of your business to have the kind of profit you need to grow and to be socially impactful. If it doesn't feel good, or if an employee working for you doesn't feel good about it, there's something to take a look at. And what is that and find out 
what change may need to happen or if a particular employee may not really fit the mold. So my sense is, and I spoke to this in the conference, is that it's important to follow the people principle, the right people in the right place, and I said as well, with the right pay, because that will produce the greatest economic results and give you the greatest ability to grow, not only from the business side, but also grow in the do-good side or the socially responsible side of business, which I think ultimately, to me, is really the purpose of having entrepreneurship. If you do this creative, caring entrepreneurship, then a lot of social needs can be met by business itself. When you're hiring folks, I know that you consider much more than just a resume. So let's say that somebody's got the skills that you're looking for, but you're looking for a different kind of person. What are the extra attributes that you look for somebody that you think is going to be a feel-good, do-good kind of employee? Mm, that's an interesting question. I, you know, My sense is just a sense of the person. So I don't find myself trying to break it down into any particular formula though I suppose you could, but for myself, it's just making sure that the person generally really wants to work for us, and it's something that's not only about a paycheck, it's something about a place and a possibility to improve themselves as their own being in more ways than just making more money or having a 401k or whatever it might be, that there is some sense that this involvement really has to do with my own personal development and hiring people that want to be part of this for that reason, in my experience, has led to better results. And everybody will probably have a better time at work as well. We've got to take a short break. We'll be right back. You are listening to the Gontrepreneur.com podcast. After a short message from the sponsors who made this show possible, Gontrepreneur will return. Gondrepreneur.com, your guide to the cannabis business world. Gondrepreneur.com is a comprehensive resource for cannabis professionals and entrepreneurs. Download the Gondrepreneur app on your smartphone or tablet to catch up on cannabis industry news, scroll through our daily job listings, and learn about successful cannabis companies, executives, and investors. Gondrepreneur.com, helping Gondrepreneurs grow. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. Educator, author, and advocate, Dr. Mitch Earlywine is here to tackle the burning issues. And I'm here to clear up the myths about cannabis and burn them away with science. CannabisRadio.com presents a no-holds-barred platform that seeks to redefine and revolutionize the entire scope of the cannabis culture while opening the door for more to join the cannabis crusade. Dr. Kevin Hill. You can't ignore the fact that, like alcohol, most people who use don't have a problem. So I think that you need to think about policy in that way while educating people properly about marijuana. I think that's the way to go. 
burning issues only on cannabisradio.com. We're back to help gondrepreneurs grow. You're listening to Gondrepreneur only on cannabisradio.com. Welcome back. You are listening to the Gontrepreneur.com podcast. I am your host, Shango Los, and our guest this week is Tom Burns, founder of Yogi Tea and now CEO of PDX Partners. So before the break, we were talking about the importance of feeling good so that you have the ability to do good in your cannabis company. And, you know, Tom, there's a really great schism in cannabis right now between medical growers and the newly licensed commercial growers. Each are suspicious of each other. You know, the medical folks are the pioneers and they were here a long time and many of them transitioned out of the black or informal market. And now suddenly there are a lot of new money and and new entrepreneurs that are in and they're they're, they're, they're grabbing the licenses. And, and so there's kind of a schism. The new commercial folk want a lot of the prohibition and medical people to go away because they see them as undercutting their margins at retail. And on the flip side, we've got all these prohibition era and medical growers who are angry because they feel like, like the newer commercial growers are eating their lunch and don't respect the heritage of the plant. What advice do you offer for folks who are caught up in this kind of being angry inside of their business? Because you're, somebody's only going to be able to get so happy if they're in this constant state of anger. Well, that certainly goes against the feel-good part that we were talking about yeah, earlier. that's for sure. I don't know if I have an easy and simple solution for that. What comes to mind is really bringing those two together because – I think working on common ground, finding that common ground, there's always a lot more common ground than there is uncommon ground. But I think sometimes the human nature is to focus on what's different rather than what's common and what's the same. So that's what off the top comes to mind is to figure out where the common ground is. And I spoke to this, I think, in my keynote was the whole idea of the industry. I mean, the story of the industry needs to be good. Those that are in it and those that see the direct opportunities and potentials of cannabis on the healing side, on all of the aspects that cannabis can provide, understand that. But the outside, not necessarily. And we did talk about, I think there's some figures that in the last 12 months in the U.S., 12% of the population has used cannabis at least once. And my sense is, well, what about the 88% that haven't? And I think that's the important story to tell is the right story and the high road story and the reason why cannabis can be useful to society in general and directly or indirectly. And of that story being told, we're going to go after the 88%. And it's important to be able to tell the right story. So of those of us in the industry need to come together because you don't want two different stories going out. And, you know, it's easy for people to because of the illegal history of cannabis over the last several decades to just think that that's all it's about. It's about the black market, about drug dealers standing on the corner and, and look at the lowest common denominator. So I think it's important that the industry comes together and that the industry invests in itself to have the kind of administration of the industry in general to help to bring the different components together so that they're not fighting each other, but they look at the common cause out there, that the potential out there is vast for all of us. And, you know, I also talked about if we don't do it, you've got a lot of the big Fortune 500 companies, the big products companies, pharmaceutical companies, 
just waiting in the wings until it becomes federally legal, and then they'll come in and do it their way. But we have an opportunity to get embedded in the industry in a way that we can take advantage of that. Companies are going to sell out to larger companies, or they're going to hold intellectual property or methods or processes that these big companies will want to take advantage of. It's the same in the natural organic industry. I would say you know, a vast portion of that industry is now owned by major food companies and beverage companies, uh, either directly or indirectly. And this is an opportunity, but fighting against each other is <laughs> really going to diminish taking advantage of the potential that we have in front of us as people that have been involved in this cannabis business for the last several decades or new ones that are coming in. And I think particularly if we bring new people coming in, and I've been able to meet some uh, along the way in the last several months that have similar ways of doing socially responsible business, understand that opportunity and I have had business experience that they can bring to bear here. So I think it's really to find the common ground and focus on the common ground together rather than focusing on what's different and, and getting angry because getting angry doesn't really accomplish much. I mean, I think it's really self-serving. Set aside the anger, figure out you know what is the opportunity here and how do we work together as an industry and as the medical side and the recreational side. And I'm not saying that you know the laws or whatever legislatures are passing may necessarily be fully facilitating that, but what it does underscore is that we need to get involved at the industry level so that we can help move this industry in a way that will take advantage of the potential, that will tell that good story, that will make everybody understand that this industry is about social good and it's not just about doing self-serving things that are short-term looking, that we're looking at the long side of it. And uh, it is an opportunity for businesses that are coming out of this to ascribe to the social responsible mentality that hopefully this industry can be known for making communities of which the businesses reside a better place for everybody not just people that are working for these businesses are somehow directly involved but the whole community benefiting in some way from the success of this particular cannabis business or in general the whole industry Certainly, being angry is not going to help us reach out to that 88% of people who have not had an opportunity to be healed with cannabis and, and to bathe their endocannabinoid system in it. I can imagine that in the early days when you were putting the organic teas and cereals on the market that you kind of had your own 88% because you know you were bringing you know hippie food to the market and most everybody else was you know buying canned and commercial foods back then and and now you know everybody is trying to eat healthier granola is super common people are drinking teas for all sorts of reasons what was your 88% you clearly reached and it would became a sign of the times what do you think that cannabis entrepreneurs right now can do to reach our 88% if i look at the way that we came through our own business in the natural and organic foods industry i think it's figuring out how to operate your business as a real business with all the fundamental business aspects that need to be addressed in any successful business, whatever those are. And I realize that 
some of the long-term people in the cannabis industry just haven't been able to do that because it wasn't legal and it wasn't you know open to that kind of input and that kind of guidance and shepherding that the natural foods and organic industry was exposed to and it was in the normal business market where you know other food companies started to see that organic and natural foods was selling better it was only the the only double digit growth that was happening in the whole food industry so it attracted that in itself and i believe the cannabis industry has the same opportunity but what really makes a difference in the companies that are going to rise to the top and if they want to be sold and they want to harvest their value are those that are operating on the basic fundamentals of business practice so that when somebody comes in they have transparency they can see that all the accounting is in order that all the human resources in order that their systems and reporting and all of that and the businesses run very buttoned up and tied down well, we're going to take another uh, short break and be right back. You are listening to the Gonjapreneur.com podcast. After a short message from the sponsors who made this show possible, Gonjapreneur will return. The next generation of vaporizers has arrived. Vuber vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens. Providing unsurpassed customer service and expert craftsmanship, Vuber Vaporizers use cutting-edge technology, providing a power-packed, smoother vapor with a lifetime guarantee. Experience vaporizing the way it was meant to be, the Vuber way. Are you paying too much for your paid advertising? Or have you quit altogether because it seemed like a huge waste of money? I'm David Ogletree, president of WME Training. Did you know that companies waste 25% of their PPC spend on average? At WME Training, we can show you how to make your AdWords account a lean, mean, converting machine. Whether you're just starting out or want to take your skills to the next level, we have a class for you. Contact the marketing experts at WMETraining.com. Growing green to generate more green. Hello to all you happy herbalizers, smiling, trippy hippies, and everyone who believes in freedom and tolerance. This is The Grow Show, and I'm Kyle Cushman. From food to fuel, from remedy to resource. Welcome my guest, Ed Rosenthal, the guru of ganja. Let me ask you, right now I hear your lighter clicking. Are you smoking indoor, or are you smoking sun-grown? What am I smoking? I'm smoking concentrate. <laughs> Way to get out of the answer there. So you're truly like the, the, the king, right? You just have you just clap your hands and somebody brings you a bowl and you're all set, right? Mm, I wish that were the case. <laughs> the Grow Show with Kyle Cushman, only on CannabisRadio.com. We're back to help gondrepreneurs grow. You're listening to Gondrepreneur, only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back. You are listening to the Gonjapreneur.com podcast. I'm your host, Shango Lose, and our guest this week is Tom Burns, founder of Yogi Tea and now CEO of PDX Partners. So, Tom, you know, you mentioned in your keynote at the Cannabis Collaborative Conference there in Portland that your family played an important role on many of your business decisions. And what we're finding now is that, you know, startup mentality is sweeping our industry right now. People work in seven days a week, 12, 14 hour days, and sometimes at the neglect of their family. What's some advice that you have to offer to entrepreneurs who are working these hours so that they can 
continue to sustain the family life that sometimes is the thing that feeds them most? Uh, that's a very good question. Uh, I think for us, going back, we were in our early 20s, so we definitely built our businesses on sweat equity. I mean, you know, I started out, I worked seven days a week, probably 12 to 16 hours a day and didn't think a thought of it, but I didn't have a family to begin with. And so it definitely presents a different challenge if people are further along in their family development and children and whatever. So, uh, you know, I think if you're young and you know this is going to take you know, a certain amount of that time to begin with, and you're aware of it, and you can balance out your life somehow, maybe that's mostly balanced towards business, that's fine. But if that's not the case, then I think you need to find the kind of financial support and investment to hire the people that can help share the load so that you can balance your life. Uh, to me, in my own experience, it happened over time. I mean, I started at a time when I was in my young 20s and could spend that kind of time. And as the business grew and as we became knowledgeable about how to operate the business in a successful financial fashion on business fundamentals, and we learned those more and more, that allowed us to grow the business, which allowed us to hire the kind of people that could help share the load. So it wasn't this continual... You know, I have to work seven days a week, and I'm the only one that can do that. I think the thing that I could offer that I think is the most impactful in this realm is that you need to find good people and hire those good people and put those people around you and spread the responsibilities. When it comes down to, I'm the only one that can do this, and you find yourself with your employees thinking, well, gee, you know, I have to do this, they can't do this, they're not able to do this as well as I can do that, that's a good sign that something's not working. That really starts to limit the size of your business. I mean, I think a key element is that you have to hire the right people and put them in the right place. And as I said, pay them the right amounts so that you can maintain those people and build on those people. And that will build your business and hopefully that translates to more profit on the bottom line and the ability to continue to expand. So I think that there is some amount of time when you start a business off of nothing or depending if you get the kind of investment that you can hire and put together the right kind of team, then you can manage the family, the life, and kids and family balance with work. But I do think that over time, if you find yourself as a single entrepreneur, thinking that you're the only one that can do all of this stuff, uh, then I would look really hard at making sure that you're opening up the business to putting other high-level people, probably people that do things better than you do in every aspect, and making a team out of those people. And that will give you the freedom to operate if you're the head of the business at the highest level and use the potentials and capabilities of all these other high-level people to make both the business grow and to be more successful and more profitable and at the same time give you more of a balance between your family life and your work life. 
I think that sometimes entrepreneurs are a little short-sighted in that they don't realize that that oh if I'm if I'm a little flexible with this employee or if I if I pay for the education that they want to do their job better because they're because they're a good employee and they've got the right skill sets you know they if the employee doesn't leave there's actually so much money saved because you don't lose that corporate memory that leaves with that employee and you don't have to worry about training a new employee and you know, if, if you're investing in your employees, that person, you know, they say you can't buy loyalty, which is true. But if you are investing in your employee and they know it's because you value them, I bet you that they're going to give you a level of work quality that you're not going to get just by responding to somebody with a resume. No, that's exactly what I believe. I think when we started out this, we talked about this whole concept of feel good. And that's where I come to the social aspect, even within your own company and all of your employees, looking at that litmus test of, you know, are we feeling good? Are they feeling good? Am I feeling good in the relationship? You know, is everybody in the business feeling good? And that investment in whatever it is, education or the time that people need to balance out, you know, their work and family life, all of those elements to me are all about you know, the social aspect of a sustainable model. If you're looking to start some business and have it grow through time and, you know, reach its potential and to be a major factor, I believe that you need to focus on the people and make sure that everybody in the business feels good about themselves in the business, about the business itself, and about the leadership of the business, the direction of the business, and the results. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Tom, thank you so much for sharing your life experience with us. You know, so many of us are moving so fast and jumping into our startups that sometimes we miss the bigger picture. And and hopefully the audience were able to uh, take some of your life experience and apply it to themselves. So thank you so much. You're welcome. Glad to be able to have the chance to talk about it. Tom Burns is CEO of PDX Partners, a cannabis company in Portland, Oregon. You can find more episodes of the Gontrepreneur podcast in the podcast section at gontrepreneur.com and in the Apple iTunes store. On the gontrepreneur.com website, you will find the latest cannabis news, product reviews, and cannabis jobs updated daily, along with transcriptions of this podcast. You can also download the gontrepreneur.com app in iTunes and Google Play. You can also find the show on the iHeartRadio network app, bringing Gontrepreneur to 60 million mobile devices. Do you have a company that wants to reach our national audience of cannabis enthusiasts? Email grow at gontrepreneur.com to find out how. Thanks to Brasco for producing our show. As always, I'm your host, Shango Lose. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.